0: So we have been in this uh, series that we are, where we look at the revelations of what God reveals to us through His Word. Now this week we are going to be. T- I found myself focused on this word identity, and and the and we're going to spend a couple of weeks on this one. Actually, the idea is to go through the scriptures and look at what what does the Bible says who we are. In Christ, because if you go through the scriptures, you will find so many things that God says about who we are. He tells us that we are uh, we're children of God. We are heirs and conquerors. We are made new. We are alive in Him. There's a lot of different things that He defines us as to help us understand that we are not to follow the examples of the world and follow what people say identity is supposed to be. Because what you find is a lot of times when you talk about this word identity and what it's supposed to be, you know, we we get stuck either in the things that we do or we allow people to define who we're supposed to be. But as followers of Jesus, he says, well, it doesn't matter what everybody else says. It matters who I say you are. And so that's what we're going to be looking at. So I think a lot of people have gotten to that point where they've asked that question, who am I? Or were you trying to figure out, well, what's my purpose in life? Who am I supposed to be? What am I supposed to be doing? And if you've never had that, that then that's that's great. I know, for, I know personally, I can say for a fact that I've had that point in my life where I've wondered, is what I'm doing what defines who I am? And what you find is if you're not careful, you get so caught up in what you're doing, you allow it to be what drives you and becomes your, your purpose in life. And so when you get tied to that and you start following that to define who you are, you put all your focus in that. You put all your attention into that thing, and it may not even be what God had for you in the first place. And so you get so tied up to it that when, when God says, I need you to dial it back a little bit, or I need you to pull back, you go, "But Lord, this is, this is who I am. This is what I'm supposed to be. This is what people know me as. But then he says, No. That's what you think you are, but you are my child. You are made alive in me. You are mine. You belong to Jesus. Therefore, your identity is not in the things that you do, but in who Jesus is. And we're going to look at a couple passages. The first one is actually one that many of us are familiar with. It is the story of the centurion uh, soldier. And it's in Luke chapter 7. So I'm going to give you a moment to find that. And if you don't have it, it's going to be up there on the screen. So we can look at it that way. So because I have it in two different translations, I'm just going to read it from what's written up there. It says, now when he concluded all his uh, sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. And a certain centurion servant who was dear to him was, I'm oh, oh, sorry, a certain centurion servant who was dear to him was sick and ready to die. So when he heard about Jesus, he sent, that thing's cutting off my thing. Okay. <laughs> I'm just going to read it in here. I'm just going to paraphrase. This is going to drive me crazy. So this centurion soldier had a servant who was dying. And because he was dying, he knew there was nothing he could do about it. He knew there was nothing he could do to help him, but he had heard about Jesus. And he heard that Jesus was coming to the town. So he went out to meet Jesus and asked him, would you heal my servant? And Jesus asked him, okay, well, shall I come to your house and heal him? And And the centurion soldier says, no, you don't need to do that. All you have to do is speak the word and just say heal and he will be healed. And so Jesus looks at him and and say, man, I haven't seen a faith like this in all of Israel. One of the things that he says, and that's in verse 6, he says, I am not worthy, in this verse, I am not worthy of of such an honor, that I'm not even worthy to come and meet you, and this is the new translation version. In the first point I want to focus on is that we are worthy. See, a lot of times when we become followers of Jesus and we give our lives to there are times, I, and I think we can all agree, there are times when you think about all that God has done for you and you go, man, I don't know if I'm worthy of all these things that He's done for me. I don't know if I'm worthy of the sacrifice that He's done with all the mistakes that I've made, with all my, my bad choices. I don't know if I am worthy of Him. But the reality is, if he didn't think us worthy, he would not have sent his son to die for us. See, that's a lie that Satan tells us and tries to get us to think that, oh, you're not worthy of his love. You're not worthy of his salvation. You're not worthy of Christ. But then he says, no, you are worthy. That's why my father sent me to die for you, for your sins on the cross, so that you would come... Come back to him so that you would be reconciled with him and be made new. And so when we get to points in our lives where we find ourselves thinking that we are not worthy, be reminded that God thinks we are worthy or he would not have allowed his son to die for us. So he sees us as his, as his, we are made in his image. He loves us and cares for us. Can you imagine, just think of it in a different perspective as as parents. you No matter how many bad choices or how many mistakes your children make, your love for them does not change. You don't like that they're making bad choices and you try to direct them and guide them, but at the same time, you don't stop loving them. And you know you would go above and beyond if you could to save them and keep them from making those mistakes. See, that's what the Father did. He saw us in our sins. He saw us in the mistakes that we were making. He said they could still be redeemed. And so he sent his son to be the one that would redeem us. So in his eyes, we are worthy. Worthy of being saved, worthy of his salvation, worthy of being transformed and made new. But with that, there's also, we have to think about the fact that we're also broken. We have experienced things in life that leaves us jaded or leaves us unwilling to trust other people that keeps us from being able to really put our trust in others because we've been wounded and hurt by so many people. And so we are we are broken. We've experienced brokenness. We've experienced heartaches. All these things leave scars and leave marks in us to the point where we don't feel like sometimes we can trust anybody or give anybody our everything because we're afraid that they're going to hurt us. And so some what we end up doing is we put barriers between us and people. But then... Sometimes we might go even further and put theirs between us and God because we have to relearn how to trust. And if we can't trust him, how can we trust people? So we are broken. In fact, in Psalms 147, three through six, it says he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He counts the number of the stars and he calls them all by name. Great is our Lord. Mighty in power, his understanding is infinite. The Lord lifts up the humble; he casts the wicked down to the ground. Yes, we are broken, but God can heal the broken. He can heal the broken-hearted. Now that's, that doesn't mean that he's gonna. It's all gonna happen, you know, immediately. Because it takes time to walk through the things that you've gone through, to really give it to him. Sometimes you have to do it over and over and over again until finally we, you finally get to the point where you're like, okay, Lord, you can have it all. And we serve a God that is so patient with us that he will let us come back to him over and over with those things that we're holding on to until we finally get to the point where we just completely surrender everything and say, God, we need you to heal us. We need you to heal our brokenness. We have to try not to feel the brokenness in our hearts, the brokenness that we feel by other things. See, When you talk about identity and talk about who you are and who we are in Christ compared to who we are or who the world tells us we are, all you have to really do is look at the things going on right now. A lot of it is centered around identity, where people want to be accepted by what they identify as not necessarily by who they were created to be, but what they are identifying as. And so identity in our culture has taken a whole different meaning. But going, but we have to continue to stand on God's truth and his word to remind us that that is just what the world is saying. That's not what God says identity is. You know, I believe one of the times when you really see the where people kind of start to define themselves by professions and different things like that is when it comes time for politics. It don't matter which side you're on. People forget their Christianity when, politics, when it's time for politics. And what you see is you see an ugly side, and you see people tearing other people down. You see all these different things where it just goes completely against what who God is. Think Because we're saying, well, God loves you. God cares for you. God's this. But then we're looking at our brothers and sisters because they have a different political view, or whatever you may look at it, the different side of the spectrum of the party we go, well, you're not a Christian. But if we really wanted to go, let's go really to scripture. I don't remember ever reading anything about either Republicans or Democrats in the Bible. So why do we get to look at these things and say, oh, this side is the one that's more Christian and this side is the one that's less Christian. But rather instead of looking at the characters of people, whether or not they are actually representing Jesus, because they can say they believe, it don't matter which side they are, they can say they believe in Jesus, but if their actions do not line up with the Bible, with who God says he is, then you, that's when you start to ask questions, you begin to question who they are as, who they are supposed to be as believers that does not reflect the God that we serve. but not everybody looks at it that way. And we're getting ready for for elections and I I believe we're going to see we're we're going to see a lot of people ugly sides. And as a church as believers I think our job is we should begin to pray for those people. Begin to pray that people would see, seek God first. Seek to see what God says about these things, not just what we personally want, because that's the problem. We think we know what God wants, but if that w- if it was that simple, we wouldn't be having as much problems as we do today. Because none of us truly know the mind of God, but rather we go to Him to tell us, "Hey, this is how we are to act. This is who we are." to be as believers. The missions of the church is to share the gospel and make disciples of all nations. So if we're busy tearing each other apart instead of sharing the gospel, we are losing those that might even have had an interest in Christianity because what they see is Christians fighting and tearing each other because The Bible actually tells us, Jesus says, they will know you by your love. But that's not what the world always sees. And it's time that we start changing that, that we start showing people the love of Jesus in a way that says, not only does Jesus love you, but he wants to save you. He sees you as worthy. That's why he died on the cross for you. The second thing that we need to, another thing that God speaks to us about is that we are accepted. Now, we have to be really careful with the, with this one because when you talk about being accepted, well, what does that actually mean? You know, if you, if you think about all the things that goes on, people will say that, well, Christians are not accepting. You know, what they mean is that we're not accepting of their sins. We're not accepting of what the Bible clearly says are against God's word. And if that, if not accepting the sins of the world means people are considered, means we're not accepting, then I'm okay with that. Because just because I don't accept bad behavior or bad choices does not mean I don't love you or care about you. It just means that I don't agree with what you're doing or with what you've done. But again, we've our culture has gone so far off to the point where being accepting doesn't really mean the same thing when it comes to how Scripture talks about accepting one another. In Romans 15, verse 7, it says, Accept one another, then, just as Christ Accepted you in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth, so that the promises made to the patriarchs might be confirmed, and moreover that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles, I will sing the praises of your name. When they use this word here, accept one another, and actually in some other version it says receive one another, it can be talking about to take or to receive into one's home with the collateral idea of kindness, to receive or grant one's access to one's heart, or to take into friendship. To take oneself, or take, or for example, food, to take as one's companion. So there's different biblical usage of this word that is being used right here, which is proslambano. And, and what it tells us is the word accepted is not just about accepting people as what their identities are, but rather you accept them and receive them to show them the love of God, to show them the kindness of God. The goal is when you, it's, to, it's supposed to bring praise to God. And so when we say we accept people into the kingdom, but then we don't preach about the sins that they're going through or they're dealing with, and we don't talk about those things, when we just pretend like they're not happening, we're not really doing them any favors. To share the gospel means you're gonna have, you're gonna step on some toes. People ain't gonna like you all the time and every time. And if being a follower of Jesus, knowing that I'm doing what God calls me to do, means that the world does not like me. I'm okay with that. That's why he tells us do not conform to the patterns of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we see the patterns of the world. But then we know what God's word says. So we live according to his word. We allow ourselves to be transformed by him. And not by the world. We don't say yeah, we accept all these sins, come into the church, and then we allow it to take over the church. No, with the church is supposed to be transforming people with the gospel of Jesus. And so if we bring people in and say, we accept you into God's kingdom, but we don't tell them, hey, you also have to give your, your heart to Jesus. You have to surrender yourself to him, but rather we just keep going and let them live in their sins. We're doing them a disservice. Because then we're not truly preaching the gospel to them. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 through 10, it says, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him who is the head of all principalities and powers. In other words, Jesus has power and authority over everything in this world. The fullness that we desire, the completeness that we're looking for, we're not going to find it in the world. But rather, as we stay close to him, that's where we find that completeness, that fullness, where the closer we get to him, the less less we want to be in the world. But there's also a burden that comes with that because we have families and friends that are part of the world that we want to see come to Jesus. So even though we don't want to be a part of the world, we don't stop trying to reach people because that's what we're supposed to do. The the goal to go and make disciples of all nations is not just for me. It's for every single person that calls themselves a believer and a follower of Jesus. Because there are places that you go into that I'm probably never going to step foot into. There are people that you can connect with that I'm probably never going to get a chance to connect with because we're not in the same. We don't. I just don't run into them. How are you showing people what it means to walk with Jesus? See, we've, we've looked at what it means. We've, we've talked about God revealing his word to us. We've talked about the Trinity. We've talked about what it means, what, who Jesus really is. He wasn't just a man, but he was fully God. We talk about the authority that he has over sin, the authority that he has over death, the authority that he has over all principalities and powers of this world. So that no matter what comes our way, we know that we serve a God that can help us to overcome everything that we come across. Which should, which should make us want to see other people experience the same level of, of hope and faith that we have. We should want to see people come to know Jesus and we should be intentional about it. So how do we go about being intentional? If we're not living out our faith in a way that shows people who Jesus is, then we're not being intentional. When we talked about the fruits of the spirit, we talked about how important it is to be intentional in utilizing them. Otherwise, you really you forget what it feels like to use them. If you don't use that kindness daily, you then you can forget what it feels like to be kind to people. Because let's be honest, people get on your nerve. And I mean, you know, I I had a, an amazing week, most of it. But there was one day this week where I had to, I was at home waiting for Holly to get back, uh, and then me and Janika, we just, we like, every once in a while we'll go outside and just draw on the parking in our garage floor in the front. And so we're waiting, and then I get a call about complaints. And it wasn't a church person, so it's it was none of you, so you guys are okay. But the, the, the thing is, the complaint had to do with one of our um, trees on the opposite side of, of our property. And so it was about 4 o'clock. I hadn't had dinner. And how many people, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but when I haven't had something to eat and somebody does something that aggravates me, it puts me in a mood. <laughs> and I was, <laughs> and so I had to basically as soon as Holly got there, I had to leave, take the car, and drive here. And I spent several hours just trimming and cutting these these, these branches because they had made a complaint about it, and they, and so, and so I I took care of, it, of as much of it as I could, and then I called somebody to finish the rest for me on Friday. Well, as I'm doing this, of course. Of their out of their kindness of their heart were giving me instructions of what I could do and how I could what to make the job easier for me and things like that and I had to keep reminding myself, you are a pastor. Don't say the things that your flesh wants to say. remember they don't really know you outside of the role that you you have. And so I had to constantly be respond in kindness, and really practice my kindness that day. But there was a part of me that just wanted to go, just leave me alone. <laughs> it's like, I'm doing what you've asked. I don't really want to be bothered. Just let me do what I came out to do. I, and you know, like I said, I was hungry. I'm thinking to myself, I'm missing dinner with my family out here doing something while you're over here enjoying time with your family so don't don't bug me right now. <laughs> but thankfully I kept those thoughts in my head. But there are times in life where you have those moments where you have to remember to put to walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. Because what the flesh wants to say it does not show Jesus. And I can stand here whole heart fully and transparently say, I have those moments where my flesh wants to say stuff that is not of the Lord. But then the, those reminders were okay, even this might be the only time they really get to see and experience or experience the kindness of Jesus. So I don't want to be the one that gives them a bad example of what a Christian is supposed to look like and walk like because I'm frustrated. See, that's what we deal with on a, really on a regular basis. It may not be frustration, but that the fact that you have to, sometimes it feels like you're tiptoeing because you want to represent Christ well, but at the same time, people make it so difficult. See, I, there was a there's this joke that I've heard many times that says ministry would be a whole lot easier without people, <laughs> but then it would just be me by myself, just playing music and hanging out. So, <laughs> but to be representation of Jesus to the world means sometimes you have to constantly have those battles with yourself. Who will they see in how I respond? Who will they see in how I talk? Who will they see in how I walk and how I live out my life? Who will people see in those choices? Because that's what it comes down to. You have to choose. Am I going to make the choices that represent Christ well? Or am I going to show them I'm just like the world where I allow the first thing that comes to mind to come out of my mouth and they see a completely different side. Remembering who we are in Christ helps us to walk in a way that pleases him. To remember that he accepts us, that he loves us, but also that he considers us worthy of his son's death on the cross. John 3.16 is a very familiar verse, but I'd like to add verse 17 to it as well. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's not to say that we don't have a choice because he gave us free will and we can choose to accept him or to deny him. But he still came to die for every single person in this world. Whether they accept him or not, his death was meant for all of us. See, the same God who willingly sent his son to this earth to live, to die, and resurrect is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And the brokenness that we've experienced that has left us to feel like we'll never be enough is nothing but a lie. The sins that we've committed that can't seem to get away from no matter how far we've come, that makes us feel like we're not good enough, like we're not worthy of God is far from the truth. He mends the brokenness. And that doesn't mean all your experiences or your circumstances will disappear, but rather you know that he's walking with you. You know that you can trust him. You can lean on him when you need comfort, when you need peace, when you need just somebody to be there for you. He can be there for you. So when you find yourself asking the question, am I worthy, remember that he loved you so much that he sent his son to die for you. See, sometimes we forget to really personalize that sacrifice. He died for me, for you, for all of us with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love for us, that you would allow your son, your one and only son, to die for our sins. Lord, as we go through this week, as we go through this life, as we encounter different things in our path, in our journey, Lord, would you remind us that we are worthy because you see us as worthy. We are loved, that you see us and you you accept us to bring glory to the Father, but you don't want us to stay as who we were before we came to you. Because you have something so much more in store for us. That you desire to transform us, Lord, that when we surrender to you, you begin to do a work in us. You are the only one that can make us whole, that can make us complete. Lord, we thank you in advance, Lord, for the works that you are already doing, not just in our lives, but in the lives of those that we love and care for, that we maybe have been praying for and lifting before you consistently. And Lord, if there's anyone that is in need of surrendering their lives to you, just like Paul wrote in Roman, Lord, that they would confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. That he died and he rose again and now sits at the right hand of the Father. That they will be saved. So God, we're praying for the salvation of those that need salvation. we love you. We praise you. Give me